Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. exalted. You are our God and you are our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We worship and magnify your name. We give you honor and glory. You know, a lot of people don't know how to praise, but you know, Jesus said he's he's looking for true worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit, what does that mean? With all their heart. And in truth, What does that mean? By the scripture. By the word. Now the song that we sang previous to this, think about about this. You are my king. The The song is called Amazing Love. History was one of my minors in college. And I discovered and learned about all of the empires throughout the history of the world. All of those kings and dictators and different ones, they required their subjects to die for them. Our king died for his subjects. That alone is worthy of your praise. That alone is worthy of your adoration of him. That alone, that's all. That's all you need. You know, in the world and and I'll, I'll, I'll throw in the, the religious church. Still the world. It's not, it's not the Bible church. The religious church is trying to do something and, and act and trying to get, get God to dance. God doesn't dance. He's not your partner to dance with. In other words, well, if God will move, I'll move. And if I'll move, God will move. doesn't work like that. He's already done everything yes. necessary. That's why Jesus Amen. came to the earth yes. to change Amen. the sheriff in town. Amen. And that's what, John, that's what John, the only first Baptist, was talking about. There's only one first Baptist, and that's John. So John, the only first Baptist, came and said, a new sheriff is coming to town. He's mightier and greater than I I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. I'm not even worthy to lace his shoes. You know what the Bible says about John, the only first Baptist? That he was the greatest, the greatest prophet and the greatest man of God to date. Jesus said that about him. And so he's saying that the ones coming after me is far greater than me because he's, he's, he said, I indeed, this is right out of Matthew 3, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that comes after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and what? Fire. 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 Not a flicker. Not a bick. Not a bick lighter. Fire. 
The Bible talks about even in that, even in that same book in Matthew, an all-consuming fire. He's an all-consuming fire. That means he generates, he generates its own energy. Just like a fire, you know, down at Boulder, what, was that last year or the year before? That, you know, that consumes so much acreage. And it creates its own weather. Did you know that? A fire NATO. It creates its own weather. Well, Jesus is the original fire, all-consuming fire. And he creates his own weather. I don't know about you, but I want to get closer to that. I don't, I don't want to stay out there on the edges. I don't, I don't want to be in the Arctic or the Antarctic when Jesus comes back. I want to be on fire for him. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. He's an all-consuming fire. So that's why he's worthy of our worship, because what did he do? He died for us. Hallelujah. He died for his subjects. He doesn't make us die for him. He died for us. So give him praise out of your lips right now. Lord, we praise you. We exalt you. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We're so grateful for what you did, Lord Jesus. We're so thankful for what you did, Father God, because of your love. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for my sin, to pay the price for my stupidity. And I thank you, Lord, that you've redeemed me by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Hallelujah. I bless your name. I bless your name. You know, you don't wait till Sunday or Wednesday to do that. That ought to be something that comes out of your mouth every single day. Amen. Well, greet those around you as you're seated. And uh, there's some, uh, you guys back in the cheap seats, there's some really expensive seats right up here on the front. You know, I see posts all the time of people going to, this concert or that concert, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They're way back in the nosebleed section. I saw somebody the other day. This, this is probably yours, Pastor. Thank you. I you, you might need that. I did ask a friend of mine the other day that was teaching at a camp meeting. I said, "When I come tonight, will I need my Bible?" I, that's a joke, but he said, "Absolutely, bring two if you want." But people. Uh, posting things online some friends posted it about being at the Garth Brooks concert and they were right up front you imagine how much that cost so there's no charge for coming up front today there's no charge at all so um, there's some materials back there on the table you might want to take advantage of uh, today and tonight because I know all of you are going to come back tonight and bring somebody we will pray for the sick tonight, so if you have need of healing, we'll pray for you. If you know somebody that has need of healing, uh, we'll pray for them tonight. So uh, this is a brand new series. I've just had this a few weeks. It's called Formidable Faith for the Last Days. What is formidable faith? It's Bible faith. The word formidable means strong, powerful, overwhelming. It even means intimidating to its adversaries. We are not going to make it as the church with wimpy faith. If 2020 proved anything, it proved the level of fear in the body of Christ. And many are still operating in that level of fear. I live in Texas, 
I'm, I, I was a missionary to Oklahoma for over 20 years. You know, we have a rivalry, you know. <clears throat> I was unsuccessful in many, case, many occasions there, winning those Okies over to Texas way of life. But <laughs> we have a governor and an attorney general that sent out an email back in 2020, March of 2020, that churches are essential, so we will not shut down churches. But most churches shut down. So it wasn't, it wasn't fear of the government. They didn't even give us any guidelines. They didn't even say you have to separate, you have to distance, you have to mask up, you have to do this, you have to be vaccinated. No, 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 no. Churches are essential. Nobody in our church got COVID. Nobody. Nobody even had symptoms of any kind. Why? Formidable faith. Formidable faith. So I want you to take advantage of this series. If you can't afford this, this one is uh, $20. If you can't afford this, I'll give it to you. There's a description on the back. It's quite a description, but I'll give it to you. However, Ananias, if you go out and buy lunch for everybody, and, but yet you said you couldn't afford it here, then I hope Sapphira pukes on, <laughs> at, at lunchtime. <laughs> Amen. Somebody over here like to have this? Anybody? All right, ma'am, you're first. Darlene. Darlene's first. All right. See, that, Darlene is first at my house, too. So this is called kingdom authority. You know, we serve a king, but he's not a king if he doesn't have a kingdom. Kingdom means domain of kings. So he is our king of king and lord of lords. He has a kingdom. He has a domain. Well, what good is a kingdom if there's not any authority in the kingdom? But most Christians don't walk in kingdom authority. Now, this is taken straight out of Matthew 28, where Jesus said, all authority, in King James it says all power, but it's the Greek word exousia, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. What does that tell me? Number one, the devil has no authority in the earth. The devil has no authority in the heavens. A lot of people would argue that. All you got to do is read your Bible, read your New Testament. Jesus stripped the authority from the devil. That, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he should, what? Destroy, strip, the works of the devil. Yes. Come on. Amen. So Jesus did his job when he came here, and he went into the pit, and he did his job, and the Bible says he made a show of him openly. In other words, if you look at that in the Greek, it said he paraded up and down the halls of hell, and it uses the phraseology that I learned in biology. He impaled the devil on the wall of hell, and he paraded in front of him in victory. That's the kind of Jesus we serve. We don't serve this little mamsy-pamsy, 
wimpy little guy that Michelangelo paints and all this sad, passionate. All these portraits. Throw them away. Oh, I can't throw that away. So-and-so gave that to me. My mama, my grandma mama. It's religious. Jesus was not this poor soul. He was a man of authority, a man of power, a man of victory, a man, a man of grace, a man of incredible empowerment. Come on, somebody. He wasn't this sissified guy walking around. That burns me up. I didn't grow up in church. I grew up in the projects in North Fort Worth and East Dallas. I grew up in difficult situations with an AWOL dad. Even though my dad's in the Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame down in Colorado Springs, he's in the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame at the Stockyards, he's in the National Cowboy Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City, he's not in the dad or the husband Hall of Fame. My dad won Cheyenne Frontier Days Rodeo several times, the all-around championship, and the bareback, and the bull riding. My dad's a tough guy. My dad won Greeley. My dad won all rodeos all over Colorado, all over the United States. But he was, didn't do one thing for us spiritually. Didn't ever pray with us. Didn't ever take us to church. Didn't ever open his Bible. And, and wouldn't even pray the now I lay me down to sleep nighttime fearful prayer that people pray. You understand that, that, that prayer is not in the Bible? Why would you want to scare your kid? If I should die before I wake. When I finally understood that, I looked at my mom and I said, you mean I could die tonight before the morning? Come on, we need to, we need to unscrew that stupid brain off our shoulders and go get a smart brain. Come on. And where do you get a smart brain? From the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So he's given us the keys to the kingdom. In other words, all the authority has been given to Jesus from God, and he gave it to us. He gave it to the church. I know. Sit down. I know you're excited about this. Please sit down. Please. I don't want you to bump heads or anything. I have to pray for you right now. He has given us authority. And power. Somebody over here like to have this one. Anybody? All right, sir. Can I throw it at you? Or to you? Look at that. Good catch. I don't know if a, I don't know if a, a Rocky Scout is here today or not, but they might need they might need some more help. But anyway, kind like it's kind of like the Texas Texas Rangers. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a head start in the Word. Turn over to Romans chapter eight. And uh, as you turn there, I want to mention a couple of other things. Number one, um, we also have a mini book that I did not write, but we are the number one purchasers of this mini book. We buy these by the case. We buy these 725 at a time. Confessions for Raising Winning Kids. It's written by a friend of my wife and I, Kathy Dorsch from Little Rock, Arkansas. And she wrote this book years ago, and then she's just re-edited it recently. There's over 50 scriptures of confessions we can pray over our children and our grandchildren. I have seven grandchildren. So we pray these scriptures over them on a regular basis, and it will really be a blessing to you. So you ought to buy this for your adult children so they can pray this over their children. 
and you ought to buy it for yourself so you can pray it over your children and your and your and your grandchildren or great grandchildren. Some of these, this will be a blessing to you. Amen. Turn in your Bible to Romans eight, and as you turn there, say, "I love the Word." That's all I got for you today. I don't, I don't have entertain. I don't. I don't have any entertainment for you. I'm not going to have an emotional sermon to get you crying and slobbering and coming down to the altar. I've been in those services and the people don't change. And they don't even clean up their mess. They don't even clean up. Their, they don't even throw away their Kleenex. They don't change. So emotions are not going to change you. Change will affect your emotions, but your emotions won't change you. That's some revelation right there. But I got this off the internet, and so it must be true. <laughs> so, first thing I need to ask you, how many of you are dog people? You're dog people. You got dogs. How many of your cat people lift your left hand? How many of your dog and cat people lift, lift both hands? You know, the Bible says that double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. But as you know, cats, cats don't like water. They don't like baths. So this is how to wash a cat. Number one, put both lids of the toilet up and add an eighth of a cup of pet shampoo in the water in the bowl. <laughs> Number two, pick, pick up the cat and soothe him or her as you carry them toward the bathroom. Number three, in one smooth movement, Put the cat in the toilet. Close the lid as quickly as possible. You may need to stand or sit on the lid. <laughs> Number four, at this point, this is my favorite, at this point, the cat will self-agitate and make ample suds. <laughs> Never mind the noises that come from the toilet. The cat is actually enjoying this. Number five, flush the toilet three or four times. This provides a power wash and rinse. Number six, have someone open the front door of your home and be sure that there are no people between the bathroom and the front door. Number seven, stand well back. Use a pole if necessary behind the toilet. Quickly lift the lid. Number eight, the cat will rocket out of the toilet, out of the bathroom, streak through the living room, run outside, will dry himself off. Number nine, both the toilet and the cat will be sparkling clean. <laughs> Sincerely yours, the dog. <laughs> Wouldn't that be entertainment for that dog, I tell you. They would be wagging their tail and laughing the whole time. What I want to talk to you about today, in my opinion, studying the Bible for almost 50 years since I've been born again. They gave us, my brother and I, a Bible. We were saved three days apart. My brother's Willie George, Gospel Bill. And, you know, pastors of a church of 15,000 in Tulsa, Jerusalem. And Tulsa, Oklahoma, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. But 
We were saved three days apart, and they gave us Bibles, and we actually read ours. There's a Baptist church in West Dallas. That church was full of young people from our schools that lived a lie. And we got tired of rededicating ourselves every Sunday night like they did because they partied with us when we were worldly. And that's one of the things that we hated about Christianity because we saw the hypocrisy in the church. You know, that's still the reason people don't want to come to church because they think... And they may know that many of you are hypocrites. In other words, you talk it, but you don't walk it. That's still the biggest problem today. But when we started reading our Bible, we started discovering. We, see, we, already, we, we were of the world. We, we already knew the world well. And it had nothing to offer us. We wanted something different. We'd already seen the chaos of a broken home and a drug addict mom and an alcoholic mom and a philandering dad. We'd already seen all that. I mean, this is not normal. My dad and mom were married at Times Square Chapel. My dad's a strapping athlete, college football player, Marine in Korea. Now he's this rodeo champion. Big hat had cattle not big hat no cattle he grew up in a ranch of the George Ranch still in existence since the 1800s in the Texas Panhandle it was natural for him to ride bulls it was natural for him to rope calves and bulldog steers and, and, and ride break horses natural for him and he was a champion again he's in all these hall of fame you can go up to Cheyenne and, and go through their hall of fame and you'll see his picture He's even on the cover of a George Strait album cover riding a horse on, <clears throat> on the front of that album cover. I mean, so here's this tough guy, this Marine, and then this beautiful young lady, homecoming queen, head cheerleader, salutatorian of her class, second smartest in a graduating class of over 1,000, in a very astute high school in Fort Worth. They met at the Fort Worth Rodeo, blind date. My dad wired my mom, wasn't her, his wife at the time, but mine wasn't my mom at the time, wired her an airline ticket on American Airlines on a DC-3 out of Fort Worth Meacham Field, that's an old tail dragger, Fort Worth Meacham Field to LaGuardia Airport in New York City. Picked her up, had it set. He had it all set with other cowboys. It was a six-week rodeo at Madison Square Garden at the time. It was the biggest thing that hit Madison Square Garden and the city of New York City in years. These big rodeo champions coming to town. Because big hats in Times Square are not, not conducive. But they were everywhere. So my dad went to pick her up with a cab at the airport, brought her back to Times Square, and had a bunch of his cowboy friends and their wives or their girlfriends ready, and they went into Times Square Chapel and got married. 
He's this strapping, handsome athlete. She's this beautiful homecoming queen, head cheerleader, salutatorian of her class, smart as a whip. My brother and I, we still have these pictures of our dad riding at Madison Square Garden, and our mom is in the background chewing her nails up in the stands because he's riding bulls. But he was good at it. You don't get in the Hall of Fame if you're not good at it. So here he is, this tough guy. Talented, gifted. They went on a TV show. My mom still has the script. Pastel green paper, front and back, double spaced. What the questions are going to be asked and what your answers should be based upon your interviews. You mean a TV show, a, a talk show was scripted? Yeah. If you believe in reality TV, you probably also believe that pro wrestling is real. And they were just trying out this new host, this young man from, tall, skinny guy from Lincoln, Nebraska named Johnny Carson. The show was called Who Do You Trust? So there they are on the beginnings of the Tonight Show, the first week they were married. They were in, in the newspapers. They were on television. Cowboy marries this beautiful bride. We still have the clippings. This match made in heaven. There's one big problem. My dad wouldn't send money home from his earnings and his winnings. He would gamble it away. Last year I, was, I flew into Denver Airport, went down to Colorado Springs and did some meetings with some friends of mine and was driving back up I-25 on my way to Longmont. Now as I was driving up, it was one afternoon driving up on a Friday afternoon, up I-25 in the north part of downtown. I saw the Coliseum over there on the right. And I saw the place where a high-rise hotel used to be, not super high-rise, but it was all white building that I stayed in with my dad when I was three and a half years old. Because my brother was in school during the Denver rodeo, early part of the year, always on the same schedule, rotation. My dad put me in that hotel room for three and a half days and he never came to the room. He just sent up room service, showed me how to use the television. You know, three, three channels, you know. No remote. This would have been in 1959. 1960, perhaps. Yeah, first of the year, so it's 60. And there I am, a little boy, three and a half years old, even though my dad took me over to the rodeo one time that I remember he left me in the room every night drunk cowboys and their wives would have, be having a fight outside the, in the hallway breaking beer bottles over each other's heads 
I'd cry myself to sleep. And these two Hall of Fame Cowboys, they weren't Hall of Fame at the time, but last year when I went through the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame in Colorado Springs, there they were. Jack Bushbaum and Sean Davis had a room next door and they would hear me crying and screaming. And I knew them because being around rodeo, as rodeo kids, you know all the rodeo families. And so they would put me in their bed in the middle of the night so they could get some sleep because they got bulls or horses to ride the next day. <clears throat> but my dad would be down in the lobby gambling. He'd stay over at the Coliseum as long as possible because they'd always had a crap game going on behind the chute. gamble away his winnings did the same thing at Cheyenne my dad won and earned millions of dollars through rodeo his stardom gave him ability to go into companies this is long before they had any sponsorships you know today you don't have to ride eight seconds to to get money you just need to be on tv and all those sponsors all those logos on their their hats their their collars their their flak jackets their shaps their shirts multiple logos their sleeves their gloves everything is logo now they don't have to pay for an entry fee they don't have to pay for their lodging because they make appearances during the rodeo in the fat stock show, et cetera, et cetera, and they make all this money. When my dad rodeoed, if you didn't ride eight seconds, you lost money because you had to pay your own entry fee. In other words, they just don't let you ride horses you have, or bulls. You have to pay for them. So I'm telling you this because I want to show you the power of what I'm going to teach you today and tonight. And you need to come back tonight to get the fullness of it. So my dad left me in that hotel room for three and a half days when I was three and a half years old. Today, he'd be arrested for that. Somebody would have called CPS, Child Protective Services, or somebody, some law enforcement, would call somebody, and he'd be arrested for that. The reason he took me up there is because we're going to spend this quality time together. Well, there's nothing quality about it to me. And that was traumatic for me. It put fear in me. So much so that I'd wake up in the middle of the night, in the middle of a nightmare. Six or eight blocks down the street, because my brother would catch up to me. He would notice I'd be gone from the bed. You know, back then there was you know, steel springs and, mat and cotton mattress. And I'd be, you know, cre creaking. He thought I went to the bathroom. No. He'd get up, look in the bathroom. I'm not there. He'd see a back door open or a front door open. I'd be gone. And I'd be screaming up and down the street in the middle of a nightmare. The spirit of fear is real, folks. Yeah. Come on. 
And today, you see what the enemy is doing? He's bombarding our children with ghouls, living dead, walking dead shows. Come on, come on. Series, not just movies, series. And they're not just Friday the 13th, they're every night. Every night. There's a purpose behind that. To strike fear in the heart of our children and build a stronghold of the spirit of fear in people's lives. I know what that fear feels like. I know what it smells like. It has a smell. It's a spirit. It's evil. So our dad would not send home any money from his winnings. <coughs> He'd be gone six, eight weeks at a time. My mom couldn't pay bills. So she left him and took us when I was four, just half a year after that. My brother was eight, took us back to Fort Worth where she grew up. Our dad never paid child support. We didn't have a car. We didn't have a phone. We didn't have a TV. We had nothing. And what I'm about to teach you changed and revolutionized our lives. I could go into all the chaos that happened as a our mom, instead of turning to God and turning to the Word, she turned to the, I still hold this against Golden, Colorado, she turned to the Coors bottle. I won't spend a penny in Golden, Colorado. People have asked me, can you lodge? There's a nice hotel over there and go, no, no, I'm not going to stay in Golden. I'm not going to buy a thing in Golden. Why? Because Golden destroyed my family. Sin did it, but Golden was a part of it. It's not a banquet beer. That's what they call it. It's not a banquet beer. It's a puke your guts up beer. Well, you know, not if you drink it in moderation. Yeah, Americans are real good at moderation, aren't they? When you were young people, when I was a young man, we were just drinking in moderation. No, why do we drink alcohol? To get drunk. Yeah, come on. And today, people that call themselves social drinkers, we're just taking the edge off. We just want to get a little buzz. Well, the billboards say from the state, from the Troopers Association, says buzz driving is drunk driving. Well, the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't drink. It just says be not drunk with wines, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm not going to go there today. But if the state says if you're buzzed, you're drunk, what do you think the Bible says? (coughs) It inebriates you. It changes you. You act different. Chaos. What's the upside of alcohol? Anybody tell me that? What's the upside of alcohol? There's not one. But it's destructive. Lives, marriages, families, 
Come on. Jobs, careers. Huh? Yeah. It's destroyed a lot of preachers' lives. I can name names. I can name names. Household names in the Christian circles. Name names. Heads of Christian TV organizations. Yeah. The former pastor of the largest church in Colorado as well. Well, we're just going to have a little wine here for dinner. It's going to have a little beer, you know, after golf. But it leads to more. Why? Because it's a stronghold. It's addictive. Come on, somebody. Hello. Hello. You know, the, this state has no idea where it's headed with, with regard to pot, weed, marijuana. It, it has no idea where this is going to go. I do. I have a big idea. I know exactly where it's going to go. What it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy so many people's lives. It already is, but they don't have the data back yet from it. And then they're going to they're gonna soft shoe it. Why? Because of money. And that's what it's all about. Now they can, they found out they can get another tax. So we're going to legalize this and we're going to tax it. And now they're making more taxes. Why? Because recreational and medicinal and dispensaries, marijuana is a higher level of marijuana, higher THC, etc. content. And so what is it going to do? It's a higher price. Therefore, they're getting taxes out of it. Come on, somebody. This is easy math, and I don't even have to take my shoes off to count this. But my point is this. When trouble comes to your life, like it did my mom, like it did my dad, like trouble has come to all of us in one form or fashion, we fall to our base. And if our base is not this, Come on. Amen. it's devastating. Yes, it is. It's devastating. So you see, I visited my mom in nine or ten state hospitals in the state of Texas. Not because she was crazy. Not because she was mentally insane. It's because we had no money. And that's the only place that she could go dry out. But they mix them all together there. So what I'm going to teach you this morning, remaining time that I have, and tonight, to, this morning I'm just building a, building a case and building a foundation for what I'm going to talk about. After the new birth is the most important, vital, significant process and thing you must know. But most in the body of Christ are clueless. And what is that? Your identity in Christ. Who he's made you to be. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. Think about that. 
He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So look at this. For whom he did foreknow. So what does that mean? God knew you before you were you. And he predestinated you. In other words, he made you, he formed you, he created you, and he gave you a purpose. That's what predestinate means. He gave you a purpose. Just like every one of us in this room have made something. Everybody listening or watching, we've all made something. We've created something. We've built something. I was just with my three-year-old grandson and six-year-old granddaughter, my youngest uh, uh, of all the seven. And they're constantly making, drawing, building, tearing up stuff, right? Now, I, I now know everything that my six-year-old granddaughter is making or drawing. But there was a time when she was her little brother's age, three, I have to ask, what are you drawing, Quincy? What are you, what are you building? Because you don't know what it is. But he knows. Because he's building it. He has an idea of what he's doing. And he's painstaking at it. He's serious about it. Do you think God perhaps was serious when he made you? Do you think God was doing more than just turning out, churning out copies when he made you? Think about this. All of us. And all of humanity, billions of people that have ever lived or live now, we all have a unique fingerprint, unknown to anybody else. It's not similar to anybody else's. It's not the same as anybody else's. It's yours alone. Think about that. Well, that evolution is amazing, isn't it? You're not a copy. You're an original. He made you entirely unique. He made you an original. He predestined you. In other words, he made you with a purpose, and he designed you with a, something in mind. And what is it? He just told us. To be conformed to the image of Christ. Most of the church is so far to the, uh, from the image of Christ, they don't even know what it is. In other words, I'm not supposed to be like my family. And you may have grown up with a great set of parents. You may have grown up with a great family. You may have grown up in a, a beautiful neighborhood. I mean, if you grew up in Bertha, I mean, my goodness. You need to slap yourself and wake yourself up. This is not normal. If you won't slap yourself, come up here. I'll slap you. You're blessed. 30 years ago when I first started coming to Colorado and ministering, I should have bought 100 acres of land over here somewhere. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yes. I mean, some of the most beautiful alfalfa fields, I, I know a lot about alfalfa and hay because I hauled hay as a teenager. I, it's gorgeous over here. It's not even had to be irrigated. That's ridiculous. That's unfair. I grew up in West Texas where you have to irrigate everything. And you, you can't grow it if you don't irrigate it. But my point is this. God made you with a purpose. He didn't make you to be a swimmer in the pool of mediocrity. 
He put seeds of greatness on the inside of you. He designed you with greatness, with great abilities and great a mindset. Even the personality you have is mixed with your spirit. But if you don't control it, you become a mess just like my mom, just like my dad. Think about what those millions of dollars my dad made could have been used for if we would have been operating in the kingdom of God. Think about the skills and the, the wisdom and the knowledge and the beauty that my mom had and the smarts and the, the, the wittiness, etc., etc., that could have been used for the kingdom, but it was wasted at the bar. Think about that. Now, I don't, know, I don't know your story, but I know mine well. And I know I have at least as many nuts in my family tree as you do. <laughs> One of my mom's sisters has been married nine times. That's not normal. She got, she got three husbands out of the same bar. Now, let me just ask you, you know, you don't even have to be a Christian to figure this out. Just what kind of self smart man in Texas that has any pride at all hangs out at a bar called the Pink Poodle. Pink parking lot, pink building, pink sign, pink neon flashing all night long. Eh, 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 pink. What kind of self-respected man would be in there? But my aunt found three husbands there at that bar. They're all former husbands now. So my point is this. My mom, my my aunt and their three siblings, so they, there were five siblings, all raised in a spirit-filled church. Born again. Spirit-filled tongue talkers. Singing in the choir, singing with trios and quartets and duets. See the power of God fall. Come down the altar and cry those crocodile tears. Have those emotional please and they'd come down and they'd get up and walk out unchanged why because they were seeking an experience instead of a relationship my preaching is better than your shouting so far God made you to be conformed to the image of Christ and no other entity no other entity has the legal authority to give you an identity because he made you. I can't go into Quincy's playroom and say, Quincy, that's a bear, isn't it? No, no, I don't have the authority to call it a bear because I didn't make it. I didn't draw it. 
This is ABCs. Come on, somebody. You didn't make you. God made you. Nobody else made you. Your race didn't make you. Your mama didn't make you. Your grandmama, your friends, your family, your relatives, your relationships didn't make you. They don't have the legal authority to call who you are. They don't have an authority to give you an identity. Only your maker does. And he said you're supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ. Not the image of the world. I wanted to be Mickey Mantle when I was a little boy, even though I couldn't bat left-handed. But I threw the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and my brother, the Dallas Morning News, we'd flip-flop from time to time, and, you know, because we didn't have radio or TV, every day in the newspaper, there's a Mickey Mantle story, there's a Yankee story, there's a Roger Maris story. My brother wanted to be Roger Maris. I wanted to be Mickey Mantle. I wanted to be fast. I wanted to hit home runs. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to run the bases fast as all get it. Roger had to hit home runs because he was slow. But Mickey was, he stole bases. He'd steal home. He did all kinds of crazy stuff. He was center fielder, a little white guy in the center field. Are you kidding me? He was so fast. He was lightning fast. Huge New York uh, Yankee Stadium at the time. They moved the fences in after those guys. But, I mean, when Maris and Madeline, those guys, Yogi Berra and all those guys were hitting all those home runs, that's when the fences were back. Now the fences are short. But they were back then. Of course, there was a new Yankee Stadium. They were hitting bombs with old flannel uniforms. Hot flannel uniforms. Nasty, itchy, yucky. Remember flannel? Just (laughs) not modern flannel. I mean old flannel. Old baseball uniforms. Nasty stuff. And here they are. They're hitting bombs. I wanted to be Mickey Mantle. But Mickey Mantle didn't make me. And I became a good baseball player because I had to play with my brother's friends because there weren't any kids in the projects my age. So I had to play with the older kids. That meant that I got picked last every time. And our lives fell apart because our mom and our dad, who never showed up at our house, even when he rodeoed, even when he did business in Dallas and Fort Worth, he would not come visit us. Our mom was drunk most of the time, and here she is, this beautiful, smart lady. She held a good job, but women didn't make much money in the 50s and 60s. She was being an executive secretary in an oil refinery, uh, an oil company, a production oil business (coughs) in downtown Fort Worth, but still not make much money. But she'd stop by the bar on the way home. Even though she was a great cook, she wouldn't make it home for supper. So my brother had to learn, and I had to learn to eat raw spaghetti, Vienna sausage, and Spam. You might like Vienna sausage and Spam, but really, number one, you can't read because you can't see what's on the label. Number two, you can't smell. And number three, you really like barbecue sauce and, and, and ketchup because that's what you have to do to eat it. A bunch of salt with crackers and all that. Come on. There's a lady at the church tried to give me a can of Vienna sausage lately, uh, what, just a few weeks ago. I said, get, that, get thee behind me. <laughs> you see, I've been in a beef packing house. I've been in pork packing houses. 
uh, those are just parts that have been molded together. Those are all the leftovers. There's no real meat there. Anyway. Anybody have Spam for breakfast this morning? Okay. Okay. You know, now there's all kinds of flavors of Spam, but, you know, they, they, they pre-mix it with other stuff that's bad for you. But anyway, and of course, they're low-sodium as well. No, they're not. My point is this. If you're allowing other people to give you an identity, you're missing it. Now, let me, let me be Pastor Frank instead of Pastor John for a moment. We've all done it. We've all done it. It's called peer pressure. And peer pressure doesn't stop at 18. Peer pressure's lunch bucket Joe at the factory. And people will pressure you to be conformed to their group, their clique, come on, their way of life, their partying, their mentality. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I played high school football in West Texas. After I moved back in with my mom, I moved in with my dad, moved back in with my mom because she got, she got straight. And she married a guy, actually helped her. She's 90 years old now. But moved to West Texas, and I played high school football at the, at the school. They, they wrote the book, and then the, the movie, now it's a TV series called Friday Night Lights. My home stadium hosts 23,000 people. That's a high school stadium, not a college stadium. We played before 54,000 fans at playoff games. We would charter Southwest Airlines jets to fly to our games. So I found out something moving from Dallas to West Texas. I found out that the cliques are the same. I found out that the peer pressure is the same. My senior of high school, I, because I was drifting away from God, I needed to be under a man of God that had some authority that preached the word of faith. So I moved to the Texas Panhandle my senior year from a class of 1,000, 963, to a class of 33. The peer pressure was greater in a class of 33. Everybody was drinking. Everybody was sleeping around. That wasn't the case at the, high, the bigger high school. So we think we can get away from it in small towns. No, 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 no. The internet and cable TV, satellite TVs in small communities as well, out in the boondocks. Come on. And that same spirit and that pressure. Now watch this. Turn with me over, over to 2 Corinthians. You're there in Romans. Just go through uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 17, we know this well, you're taught well here. And it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. What is this telling me? When I become born again, I become a new species. And it says that way in the Amplified. You're a new, you're a new creature altogether. <coughs> Your previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. And all things are become new. We've been made 
into something entirely new when we are born again. And so in May of 1969, I gave my heart to Christ three nights after my brother gave his heart to Christ in a Baptist church called Plymouth Park Baptist Church, no longer even exists in Irving, Texas, which is on the Irving-Dallas line. And our lives have never been the same since. But we left that Baptist church after three weeks because that we were actually reading the Bibles they gave us and we knew that there had to be something greater that would empower us over sin because we kept falling back into sin just like those fleshly, flaky, funky Baptist friends did. So we got over to the book of Acts, messed us up forever. In a good way. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power over sin, power over temptation, power over the world. Come on, authority, power. So the first Sunday night, we went to the Pentecostal church. They offered the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We got filled with the Holy Ghost. It took us four and a half hours because they thought you had to tarry. And then we found out from a little Cajun woman sitting on the front row, everybody's dismissing. She stayed there, thank God, for Sister Audine Boshear. Never forget her name. Big hair, Pentecostal hair. Yeah. Beehive, you know. You, you think it was from Saturday Night Live, a gag or a, you know, but this big hair. But thank God. And she was she only about this tall. No kidding, she was only that tall. So her hair had her standing up like this. You know, they had to go straight up because if they went back at an angle, they would knock people out when they turned their head. Because they had the Aquanet all in there, you know. Oh, yeah. and come on. You that you don't know anything about that yet. This is new to you, I can tell, but it really was that way. But she opened up the scripture to us after those Terry altar workers left. She said, boys, you don't have to do any of that stuff. Hold on, turn loose, let go. That's what they were screaming in our ear. That wasn't make-believe. They were really doing, doing, doing that. And then after, after three and a half hours, they said, boys, y'all just not getting it. Getting it, it, it. It's a him. Holy Ghost is not a it. Now, you may have from time to time called him an it, but, but you know he's not an it. He's, it's, he's a he, right? We don't call the Holy Spirit it. It's him. And I know the King James says it a couple of places, but it's mistranslated. It's a him. He's a person of the Godhead. He's a person of the Trinity. Come on, somebody. He has just as much, he has just as much as a position as Jesus does, as the Father God does, and he has a purpose. He has a different design. He has a different purpose. He's our teacher. He's, he's the one who guides us and leads us. Come on. He shows us things to come. All those things are clearly related in the Scriptures by Jesus. That's why he said, I have to go away, so I'm going to send you another comforter. That was his first title for him. He's our comforter. Yes. Amen. Amen. Not to keep us warm at night, but to keep us, to keep us solid in the, in the face of adversity. 
to keep us blessed and, 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 and strong when we have things that come against us. Glory to God. To comfort our hearts. Not, not, to, not to say, oh, you poor victim. Oh, bless your little heart, darling heart. No, 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 no. No, he doesn't comfort the victims. It's not about being a victim. He's coming to comfort you because he knows you need a friend. Come on, somebody. And he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He's always there. And we started reading about that. Wow. We can have power. We can have authority. We went to that Baptist pastor. What's this? This is the Bible you gave us. Well, that's been done away with. Who said? Because over in Corinthians, it talks about him too. And over in the Pauline epistles, it talks all about the Holy Spirit. So why, why is this good over here, but this is not? This little go-between, book of Acts. Why has that been done away with when none of the rest of this has been done away with? He couldn't answer that. So that's what sent us to that Pentecostal church. Because we, need, we knew there had to be more than just yeah. getting rededicated every Sunday night. Yeah. Because we, stop, we keep falling and keep falling. And that guilt and that condemnation would come on us. And then we read in Romans 8, 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Oh, that, there's not a period after that first part? No. But how do we walk after the Spirit if we don't have Him in our lives? See why the devil hates the Word? See why the devil hates the Holy Spirit? There's churches in our town that, that, that call us a cult still because we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. And they say tongues is of the devil. If tongues were of the devil... Why don't we have a record in our Bible that the devil spoke in tongues? Come on. Come on, amen. Just a thought. There's no record of the devil speaking in other tongues. Come on, somebody. So we have to see what he's talking about. I'm gonna I'm gonna close really fast, but what I what I want you to see, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And old things are passed away. What is our identity? Our identity is not a license or a passport. Most of us who are licensed drivers, we all have one of these. Well, y'all aren't blessed enough to have one from Texas. <laughs> but we have one of these. It has all kinds of data on it. it. Has my birth date, my eye color, because that doesn't change. It has my height, because that doesn't change much. It used to have your hair color, but that changes. I don't know why they would ever put that on there for a lady. <laughs> hair color of a woman. Are you kidding? What color is it today, or what color is it this week? <laughs> but it has, you know, the data, the information has any restrictions on there for your eyesight or whatever, or your any impairments or whatever, has all kinds of data on the back, and a, 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 it has a QR code, it has a barcode, it has a magnetic strip, <coughs> and I have to have this to fly in America domestically. But this is not who I am. Come on. 
this is not who you are. Your identification is what they call that is not who you really are. I'm reminded of a, you know, Texas is so big we have jokes for each section of the state. So we in West Texas, we have jokes about East Texas, South Texas. And so we're, I'm in Northwest Texas. And I was just in East Texas not long ago. But I heard about this this state trooper who stopped this lady driving a car, she was speeding, and he walks up to her window, and you know, it's the typical state trooper, you know, mirror sunglasses, and he, he's walking up there in the Texas when they have, they have cowboy hats. Well, they have hats, western hats. They're not all cowboy hats. Some of them are dorky, really bad. <laughs> when you grow up in a cowboy's house, you know what a real cowboy is. So, just because you have boots, a hat, and a pickup doesn't make you a cowboy. Just saying. By the way, I'm John George, and I approve this message. So he saunters up to her window. She rolls the window down. He says, ma'am, you got ID? Without even taking the cigarette out of her mouth, she said, about what? Some of you will get that at lunchtime. You got ID. But what we call our ID is not who we are. It's where we live, when we were born, but it's not who we are. What makes us who we are is what we receive, what we mold ourselves to become. And we just read in Romans that we're supposed to be molded in the image of Christ. That's why, and I'm just going to warn you, look straight ahead on this one. Don't look around. That's why when we see Christians, oftentimes we can't see any evidence that they're a Christian. Because a true Christian acts like a Christian, thinks like a Christian, talks like a Christian, loves like a Christian, serves like a Christian. Come on. Gives like a Christian. Come on, come on. And it's conformed to the image of Christ. The image of the word. Not the image of the world. Not the image of cool. Not the image of coors. Not the image of party animal. Come on. Not the image, not the image of what the world wants you to be conformed to, into, but the image of Christ. It's the most important aspect of your life after being born again. Getting born again is the most impactful, life-changing thing that can happen to your life. But if you want to be a victorious Christian, you're going to have to change your identity. And you're going to have to start conforming to the image of Christ. Now, we've got a lot more Scripture but I wanted to get the point across today that if we want to be the person that God's pleased with, what did he say about Jesus? You are my son in whom I am what? Well pleased. 
Why was he well pleased with Christ? Because he lived like it. He was conformed to the image that God had made him to be. My Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. But I don't want to just please God. I want to be live a life well pleasing to God. In other words, when I, when I hear the trump blow and I come before the throne of God the, and the great white throne judgment, I want to hear him say, well done Amen. or well pleased. Enter in, into your rest. Instead of, instead of, well, you're done. Get out of here. Now, every one of us is going to have one of those statements. He's either going to say, I, I know you, or I don't know, I never knew you. That's what the Bible says. Now, that's scary to me. Now, I don't live my life afraid of God, but I do have a fear of God. Pastor and I were talking about this earlier. When I see a man of God fall to sin, and go wacko, just go get just stupid. Every week we're hearing of them. That tightens me up. I don't rejoice over that. It's horrible. Many of whom I know that personally. I could text them right now. But it breaks my heart. But it changes me. It makes me better. Because I get tighter. Because I think if that could happen to them, it could happen to me. And I'm not, I'm not going to let that happen. Amen. Amen. That's why it doesn't say that. Somebody really smart wrote that, wrote that uh, biography. But on my social media, that's why I write when it asks for who you are. I write the husband of one wife. Because the Bible says that's what I'm supposed to be as a minister to the husband of one wife. I don't know how Solomon did it. How could anybody have 77 wives? I mean, the man, he was wise, the Bible says, but he must have been also a little crazy. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth and the counsel of your word that we can look into the Word and we can find out who we are in Christ. And by design, we can begin to conform to the image of Christ instead of to the image of the world. And as we do, we'll be well-pleasing to you. And we'll walk in victory. We'll walk in blessing. We'll walk in favor. We'll walk in abundance. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that is not right with you, Lord, I ask you to deal with their hearts, and I know you already have. So church, I want us all to pray this prayer out loud. Mean it from your own heart. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin. It was not Jesus' sin that put him on the cross. It was my sin. Therefore, I rejoice and I'm grateful and I believe that that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess him with my mouth as my Lord. Therefore, he is my Savior. I ask you to forgive me 
of any and all sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness according to the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now lift a hand to God and lift your voice to him and thank him as pastor comes. Thank you, pastor.